I have a feeling we lost our our sponsor uh, last week. Snapple. We never. We we maybe never had. You're right. You're right. Uh, so week seven, still in search of a uh, of a sponsor. Uh, oh, that would be great. We could, yeah, we can get some kind of uh, some kind of coffee uh, sponsor that would include, yeah, something for morning staff meetings, whatever. Uh, I mean, we love our coffee that we have here, uh, Odala. Oh, yeah. Check them out, local Plug. local roaster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, we're open to additional sponsors. Uh, and who doesn't like coffee? So, coffee. I mean, I guess there are some people who don't drink coffee. I don't know what that means. Do you know? Do you know? I don't know that I care to know those people. <laughs> no. Strike that from the record. That, that was unnecessarily harsh. <laughs> but we really love coffee. No, I do. I really do like coffee, and I think I would even drink good coffee if, even if it was decaf. I I think I honestly believe at this point I'm not drinking for the caffeine. I have actually I, started drinking decaf coffee. At night. You have? Yeah. Like my wife always drinks. My wife is not phased by caffeine at all. Oh. So she'll drink a cup of coffee at 11 Same. o'clock at night. And yeah, it's just fine. I can too. But you can't join her. And I have found that I've gotten a little jealous sometimes of her drinking coffee at night. So I started putting decaf in the pot at night. Yeah, so I've, I've reached that, that point in my life. I think maybe I've been there for a while. Like I'm definitely drinking coffee for the flavor at this point. Yes. I think I've been there for a little while. So one of the things that really jumped out uh, to me uh, about uh, about Matt's sermon is, is, and we've been doing this uh, as a staff. We've been looking uh, at Luke and, and throughout the Gospels, and we're looking at the character of Jesus. Not just what is Jesus' teaching, but, but who is Jesus? What is Jesus doing? And one of the things that Matt pointed out, uh, Pastor Matt, this week in, in, in the sermon, is he pointed out that Jesus is somebody who comes to your house. He's somebody who comes to your party. He's somebody who enters into your life. Okay, point number one. But he also is someone who's not just going to sit there and not say anything. Because he loves you, he's coming to see you and be with you where you are. But also because he loves you, he's got something to say about your life and what you're doing. Okay, And so in this teaching, uh, we see Jesus sitting at a table with Pharisees. The Pharisees have invited somebody uh, as kind of like a, a, a trick or a catch, trying to catch Jesus. Uh, they've invited somebody they wouldn't normally invite. And Jesus had some things to say about humility. Uh, and so this week, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about, about humility. Uh, going to point out the irony uh, about somebody who struggles with this maybe more than anybody else. Uh, a very prideful person talking about humility is a little bit, uh, a little bit insane. I don't know how you guys, uh, how you guys feel about this, uh, this approach to humility. Did the did the sermon hit you guys? I think before we start, we should talk a little bit about humility. I know, like some, we've read some books about humility. We, you know, you hear that, and you, I think the world's view of humility is like we talked about, like it's kind of it's self-deprecating, right? Like, oh, I'm so humble, I'm horrible. You know, that, that, that's, that's how we think that we look humble is by saying how horrible we are. Um, but in reality, humility is um, an absence of pride in, in a way of us putting ourselves in submission to God, that he, um, he is God and we are not. My favorite book, Humble Roots, that's literally how she starts it, that the way to think about humility is three words, you're not God. Um, and it's not in a way that we how we it's not about how we think about ourselves at all it's about him yeah that's i mean that's the the classic c.s lewis argument that like 
pretty much all sin can be traced back to the sin of pride because ultimately what, what is sin um, but us deciding that we want to be God in our own eyes. And you know, so I think that this recognizing that at some level there, there is pridefulness in all of us, um, that is that first step to uh, acknowledging that we need God, is acknowledging that we are prideful people, that there's, there's a humility problem that's, that's inherent in all of us. Yeah, so, so Jesus points out the fact that uh, he, he watches all of the Pharisees enter into this party, and apparently at this table there are positions of, of, uh, of honor, okay? Uh, and, and there's kind of a rush to sit at the, at the important seats, right? To make sure that I'm sitting next to the person, and I'm getting the recognition, and I'm getting— and, and, and we could apply this to our lives, and that's what this is kind of about. We, we want to take the, the sermon, the ministry of the word that happened this week, and we want to apply it to our lives. And so we might not identify with running to a spot at a table, but we can take that same idea of, of kind of self-promotion, making sure that I get mine, that I get into that place. Matt talked about social media. We don't necessarily have to talk about social media, but that's one of the instruments that we use that uh, of self-promotion and so maybe it might be helpful to to find more attaching points to um how how is it that we are just like the pharisees in our self-promotion and making sure that we're finding our spot yeah i mean this, this comes out in so many different ways i mean like the the social media is is one one aspect where we see this take place but even in in like um the the good things we do i think like um, this is maybe a, this is this is a quick side tangent, but like um, yesterday we were having a conversation with with some folks here at the church and talking about things that uh, we know to be true from the Bible, but but are difficult for us to accept or like are, are a struggle for us. And one of the things I didn't mention this yesterday, but one of the things that I've I've kind of been thinking about ever since Sunday sermon is when Paul talks about our good works being essentially rubbish, I think is the word he uses, where, where he talks about um, the, the because everything we have received is, is by grace, um, you know, any, any, any good thing that we do, uh, you know, out of a motivation to try to earn that, it's just, it's just junk. And, and I think that, that's hard for me because I want to, um, no matter how much I know the gospel and that grace is what has saved me, I want to earn it. You know, and I want to, I and, and this I think kind of connects back to this idea of pride because I know that um, I, I want to be rewarded. I want to be recognized for my works, for the good things that I do. And so I think that um, the this uh, this pride, you know, extends even into the really good things that we do because if if we're doing them from a motivation of I want to be seen for this or I want to be rewarded for this, um, it's it's still prideful. It's, it's sinful. Think about the first question when people meet someone. Oh, what do you do, right? It's like your job. Um, my husband and I were talking about this and that um, people, maybe even like in his profession, that's the first thing that they tell you um, is what they do. And that is, it's because our accomplishments, they feel good. And I, I thought of it like this when he was saying, 
after that, the next thing was talking about that our value is actually in God alone. And so when we have those things, and they are they are really good things. Like, they're good things. They're how people provide for their family. They're even how they serve at church. But what happens when that gets taken away? What happens when that isn't what's, you know, holding you up? I think that's kind of where you see it, right? That's what he was talking about, like, the, the Pharisees, they don't see it, right? But that's a way that we that we see we, that we're exposed, to use that word, right? Like, that the gospel exposes the areas that we aren't humble and we are, you know, relying on those things that we do, whether they're good or not. That's a, and that's a grace from God, like that, that in the exposing of, of, our, of our sin and, and of our pride, like that's, that's God showing his mercy to us. Um, and forgiving you. Yeah, because ultimately that leads us to him. So, like, one of the things uh, that, one of the reasons that this is, is such a tough issue, that it keeps coming up, and I don't know if you guys struggle in the way that I do. I'm, I'm a deeply prideful person. I'm only becoming more and more exposed to my own pride uh, as, as Jesus is lovingly entering my life and, and showing me where I could let go of those things, trust in him more, uh, think of him more highly. Uh, but I think the reason why, a major reason why this is a tough thing to get over or to get through why it continues to be a struggle is that it's it's much deeper uh it's a much deeper issue it's it's the, i think what is it maslow's hierarchy of needs that number one need of self-preservation the questions of like do i matter uh do i have value do i have worth and so then like we start to uh grasp onto the things that we think do give us value and do give us worth and so that is our job or maybe the good things that we do uh but it's it's like we don't even realize uh that when we're making making friends, I'm going to choose the friendships that give me the most benefit and elevate my social status and my social position. And we, we sometimes do it without even thinking about it because that, that deepest kind of need or fear that I have is like, do I have value or do I have worth, uh, this kind of self-preservation, um, I, I don't know, just an observation. Yeah, I think. Well, and, and Matt mentioned this in his sermon too, but one of the ways this plays out maybe on a really practical level is in our marriages too. Like, you know, we, we um, look to our spouse um, to, you know, meet this need of, uh, you know, I need, to, I need to be recognized as being right or as being good. And, and so we look to our spouses to kind of fulfill that to us, I think, at times. And, and what, what ends up happening is then we're, we're using them to feed our, to feed our pride. And, and you know, this is, this is a huge problem in, a lot of, in my marriage, you know, in a lot of marriages. Because I look at my marriage and I say, like, well, um, this is about me and my fulfillment and, you know, making me happy. And, um, you know, what ends up happening is in that, that idol of pride is, you know, I'm, I'm essentially worshiping that. Um, and, and then my, my wife becomes the casualty of that so often, you know, cause I, if I have to be right, you know, then all of the time, then she is, um, you know, I'm not loving her in the way that she needs to be loved. I think it kind of plays out in the marriage setting and in other settings, um, like the burden that we have put on ourselves that like the fixing, right? Like whether it's tr like people trying to fix their spouse or fix the relationships in their life that 
um, that it's, it's out of goodness of your heart, right? You want to help, you want to, but it is pride saying that this is all on me. I, I, I can do this by myself. It's, I'm the only person that's here that can do this, right? When, I mean, by yourself, you're not going to do anything, um, but it doesn't, I don't know. I think it, it, it plays out in the marriage though, but it also plays out in everywhere that we think that we can fix things on our own. What I find what I find really interesting is uh, so so Jesus enters into our life because he loves us because he wants to save us from ourselves in this case that that if we stop worrying about ourselves it actually ends up being better for us right so you think about like the way humility restores relationships like your marriage starts to thrive when you stop thinking about your own needs right and you start looking at all of the ways that the world would actually start to get put back together uh, and restored and redeemed if we all approached humility in this way with the example of Christ there's this quote uh, I believe it was from CJ Mahaney that that humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less. It's not diminishing yourself. It's just thinking more about others and, and maybe more importantly, having a bigger view of God him and his character. Um, so, yeah, Liz, you made the comment earlier about, um, you know, I think a lot of times humility is perceived wrongly as this kind of self-deprecating um, oh, I'm not great or I'm not, I'm not worthy or whatever. And um, yeah, when we look at you know what the Bible describes humility as is it, it actually? I mean, when when we come to the the gospel and see what God has done for us in that, that actually gives us confidence. That gives us worth. Um, it's it's wrapped in. It's encompassed in humility because when we when we are realizing what has happened for us in the gospel, we're doing that within the context of realizing our need for it, right? So that, that kind of automatically brings us to this place of humility. But it, it actually, it doesn't, it doesn't bring us low, it brings us up in, in Christ as we discover our identity in him. Yeah, and that's interesting. It even says that in Jesus' teaching, the example of when you give up your seat for somebody else, the, the master of the party will come to and, and see that you've done this and say, now come and sit in the position of honor, but that's given to you by the one who's, who's throwing the party. And in this case, that would be God. God sees your acts of humility, and, and the end result actually is an exaltation. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's the promise. I think it was James 4.10. Think in this, but I I think that then that's where on the opposite end of the spectrum, then you can go on the and now you're doing things for that recognition, right? And I think that that's I mean that's why and that's why we can't do this on our own is because you think oh I'm doing something so humbly and I'm sacrificing, but again it's like for what that person can give you in return or for the the accolades that you're going to get. And I think that it just boils down to us like submitting it all to the Lord that. It's, it's, we're, we're going to, that means I need to leave soon. <laughs> we're going to, um, you know, we're going to screw it up. We're going to do things for the wrong motivation. We're going to, um, and then we get to, again, humble ourselves. And I think at the end of the first sermon, he literally, Pastor Matt literally said to apologize, right? Like to go and apologize, like to your spouse or to your roommate or, or whoever it is for the pride in your life because you have it, um, and maybe you need that person to help you see it if you, like, I don't know. I felt convicted during that sermon. I think the Holy Spirit was making it um, clear to me. I didn't need my husband to tell me that. But um. one of the, uh, what you were saying just reminded me, it kind of brings back to where we started, Brandon, with the idea of Jesus 
went to the Pharisee's house to, to eat with him, to meet with him. And, and he, he knew the Pharisee's motivation in having him there, right? Like his, you were talking about our motivation towards humility oftentimes is distorted even by this sense of pride, right? Like our pride is even leading us to try to be more humble. But like Jesus knows our motivations. He knows kind of that the inner parts of our heart and, and yet he still chooses to come to us. And he, he chooses to, um, to reveal to us himself, to, to come to us in his mercy and meet with us. And that's, I mean, that's good news. So, so you, you've given us the motivation then for change. Our motivation is Jesus has already forgiven us and he's calling us to abundant living. Okay. And so like we then could, I believe step one, what you talked about, Liz, uh, cause we're going to apply this, right? Let's put it into practice. You said step one, uh, recognize and repent. Okay, confess to the people that you've been prideful towards, which is going to be everyone. Okay, uh, but but what are some more kind of practical? Let's let's apply this to our lives. What? How do we start take steps towards humility, knowing that this is going to be a whole life battle, a whole life struggle, as we look more and more like Jesus, the more that we walk towards Him and walk with Him. What are some steps towards humility? Uh, you know, with the motivation, that gospel motivation that you talked about. Ryan, that, that first step of repentance, now how do we start walking in greater humility? I think at the very beginning, he started talking about blind spots, right? It's called a blind spot because you cannot see it. Um, and that Jesus does invite, like he does come to us, um, but to expose it, you know, because he, he, wants at, he wants to get at our heart, right? That's his motivation isn't to make us feel shame. It's to, to get to the heart, to the heart level change, um, but I think that that's like we continue to talk about all of these have some community aspect that that is why you are in community because you're not going to see everything on your own. You need other people that um, that you're accountable to, that you trust, that can help you see those. Um, and that feels hard and messy. Wait a minute. Getting around people is going to make it is going to I'm going to be it's more opportunities for pride to come out. Right. So getting around people is is going to cause me to stumble more. But isn't that, that is the process, right? So then you get to repent again, right? And, and that is those steps of humility. Like getting around people is what helps us to expose our pride. We love you. And just like Jesus did it lovingly, that those people, that that's why we have people that we trust and we know and we love because they get to do, like, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. To see it. Yeah, that trust is, is big. Um, I, don't, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I don't, I don't, typically respond super well to criticism and I'm hopefully I'm growing in this but like uh, it, it is a lot easier to um, to respond in humility with someone that you trust right and and I think that um, that trust comes from being in Christian community with someone you know being uh, being at a point where you are um, you are seeing their lives and you're letting them see yours and and you are you are uh, living your lives, you're worshiping God together um, in, in the ways that you're interact, interacting. And, and w when that trust is developed, it becomes a lot easier. Um, not saying that, that this is the only place where it can or should happen, right? But it's a lot easier um, to kind of invite that feedback, to, to invite someone to speak to those blind spots in your life um, if it's someone that you know and you trust.
I love this. So, so we actually don't like write out these steps or whatever. We don't like plan this out. We don't put an action plan uh, in place ahead of time. Like these are things that we talk about. But let me just uh, summarize what what you guys have have put together because I really like it. Uh, it. It begins with a, a gospel motivation, understanding why we would ever even attempt change. It begins with uh, starting with repentance, getting in community, and then inviting the 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 criticism of others because of the blind spots that we have. And then maybe I, I would add, uh, get your view, your, your eyes off of yourself, out from the mirror, and onto God. Look at the character. The, 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 what is it? In Philippians 2, I think it is, it gives us the example of Christ and his humility, obedient even unto death. And so if our eyes are on Jesus, that is going to be drawing us towards this type of humility. So I, I, actually, I absolutely love all of those things. I'm not going to say this is step one, two, three, and four, but all of those are important uh, steps. Anything that and you, you would add? you need to repeat some of the steps. Over you and over. You don't get to the end of the steps and you're good. I think that's uh, that's the, really important to remember because you can, it's, I mean, everything that we do and then we're going to do it again. Like my five-year-old, he says, and then you, you say sorry and then you're going to do that sin again. But, and that's why we have these reminders and that's why we remember that it like all of, we get exposed by the gospel and forgiven in the same, you know, breath. <laughs> It is an honor to uh, to be with you guys, to talk with you guys, uh, and to serve alongside of you guys. Uh, I'm excited to have uh, some lunch. Uh, I got a uh, toasted sandwich, and I don't know what that's like a half hour after it's been ordered. Uh, but it could less be. Less, it, yeah, it'll have the appearance less of toasting crunch. without the actual texture. So let's go eat some lunch.